Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. Isn't it reasonable to say that if we can build a prosperous and remarkably harmonious multicultural society in Australia, surely we can find just solutions to the problems that beset the first Australians, the people to whom the most injustice has been done. And as I say, the starting point might be to recognise the problem starts with us, non-Aboriginal Australians. It begins, I think, with that act of recognition Recognition that it was we who did the dispossessing. We took the traditional lands and smashed the traditional way of life. We bought the diseases, the alcohol. We committed the murders. We took the children from their mothers. We practised discrimination and exclusion. It was our ignorance and our prejudice and our failure to imagine these things being done to us. With some noble exceptions, we failed to make the most basic human response and enter into their hearts and minds. We failed to ask, how would I feel if this were done to me? As a consequence, we failed to see that that what we were doing degraded all of us. You're listening to 3CR here in Melbourne, the Arabug Radio Show, the uh, first our first show for the year. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. I know you're going to start crying. <laughs> We've got a good show coming up, but first, uh, acknowledgement to Paul Keating, 1992, the Redfern speech, which we all know, and I think we all know, David Bowie's Let's Dance 
shot in Australia, highlighting some of our problems. How are you? How are you, Faith? I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> it's uh, um, I guess it's that thing the the start of a new year. It's uh, been quite a hard landing in terms of business and work and news, good news and bad news. So uh, yeah. yeah, but we're back in it. We're back in it. Back on the bike. Cowboy up and get back on the pony. <laughs> uh, we've got a bit of news and events coming up today. A little bit of a run round. And bike moments. And a bike moment. I'm going to go first for once. <laughs> I was, uh, where was I? I was riding home. It was, and it had to be Napier Street, of course. Um, riding home behind a father and uh, I would say about a five-year-old on his little 16-inch bike riding up Napier Street. And said young boy is dressed in the rainbow jersey of the world championships. <laughs> <laughs> It was very funny. And as I said, I I dipped my lid as I passed him and acknowledge acknowledge his right to wear that rainbow jersey. Aspirations. As he sprinted to the red light at the corner of Johnson and Napier Street. Faith? Well, I had a very ordinary bike moment, but sometimes they're kind of nice because it was um – We'd, we'd just arrived back from holidays and it was the first time in quite a while I'd been on my bike. And we rode up to the pool, which is Coburg Olympic, which is a very, very old-fashioned outdoor pool. Um, awesome. No no fancy water play parks, just this, your 50-metre pool, your toddler pool and something in between. A bit of grass full of bindies, lots of trees to sit under. Um, and we rode up there and uh, went to buy our tickets and were told that because we'd ridden we'd get a discount, which I hadn't realised was on. So that was a nice little surprise. It is. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh. I think they do it for – there's a whole week they do it for, but I'd completely forgotten about that and hadn't had it on my radar at all. So it was just a – And I presume you had a banana paddle pop as you were – in the pool, they still... I lemonade icy pole. Lemonade icy pole. <laughs> and a, I believe a sausage roll. It was... <laughs> it's a... Uh, you know, um, urban swimming pools have their own little culture around them, whether it be one end of Melbourne to the other, the bindies, having yep. to wear thongs, the change rooms, yep. kids doing bombs off the high dive board. I presume nothing much has changed. No, no. It's at Coburg Olympic. I think it's usually Catherine Devaney doing the bombs off the diving board. Um, the kids, you know, have to queue up behind her as soon as the the guy in the fluoro shirt starts walking towards the fence around the diving pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's on. But um, there's there's great daggy eighties music being played. There's a barbecue in the corner. It, it's it, it's the best pool. The yeah. only thing wrong with it is the opening hours, which are restricted. So. They shut too early. No. Or open too late, but yeah. Well, let's get on with a bit of news now. Um, everybody should be aware there's been a bit of a bike ride race going on in um, <laughs> South Australia, the Tour Down Under, which is becoming a regular feature on the international uh, cycling tour. And Simon Gerrard is... Gerrans has won it for the fourth time, which is uh, uh, not bad going. Yeah. yeah. He was good. under a little bit of pressure for a couple of days, but um, 
he's pulled out uh, the uh, Cameron. Uh, oh, I'm terrible on some of those names. One of his teammates won the stage yesterday, so they, Caleb. Caleb, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so number four for uh, Simon, which was good, but. The wonderful story that's come out of it was the bike swap. Yes. Yes, and you've passed that to me just as I realised I've forgotten the guy's name. I think it was Tyler Hamilton. <laughs> Tyler Hamilton, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one of those nice stories where, uh, you know, someone uh, has a mechanical and the uh, team cars have long left and there's no one around to help him and uh, a spectator stops and offers him a bike with shoes because they they uh, different didn't have, pedals didn't, on the two bikes didn't have the same pedals on so Swap, they... swapped uh, nicks to i think as well no well that's what i read <laughs> They took the same size shoes, so they swapped shoes i think the shoes were one size out yes 43 yeah. and 42 <laughs> Obviously, I've gone into this in I've gone into this in great depth. <laughs> well, I think so. Now, I know the bike's not never accentuates or <laughs> highlights anything. I think he said one of the questions was, "What sort of chamois cream are you using before they swap nicks?" <laughs> a wonderful story because originally at the start, um, I think uh, he just wanted the front wheel. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Tyler said, nah, front wheel won't do. So it ended up on the whole bike, which is a lovely story. It is. And enabled him to finish the yeah. stage. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it provides a bit of depth to the event for, uh, you know, to round it out. And it's not all about competition. Sometimes it's nice to share things. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. spectators' bikes. <laughs> uh <Not the> Nick. <laughs> They're going to draw the line somewhere. But also in Adelaide last week, um, uh, Bridie O'Donnell from Melbourne, mm-hmm. our uh, amazing cyclist and doctor, um, uh, broke the women's cycling hour record. So covered 46.882 kilometres on Friday night at Adelaide Superdrome breaking the previous record, which was set last September by American Molly Schaefer van Howling. Uh, so broke it well. Um, and, uh, you know, congratulations to Bridie because she's uh, she does a lot, especially for women's cycling. She uh, donates her time to talk to people a lot about women in cycling and um, well-deserved. She put in a huge effort, approached it like everything she does. She's a scientist. Yep. Yeah, and that was her approach, and uh, it showed in the ride she did too. Tick all the boxes, prepare, yep. research. Yeah, uh, very much so. We'll get a little bit of the bad news or yes. taking news out of the way. Uh, there's been an um, ongoing incident and report in New South Wales, which has become a little bit of a hotbed for all things anti-cycling in some ways. Um uh, uh, about uh, the suggestion, and it looks in some ways like it was fact that a motorcycle policeman grabbing hold of a, a rider on a bike to slow him down. Of course, poor bike rider then came off, uh, and it's been a little bit of an ongoing thing up in Sydney. Expect to see what happens. We'll touch on what's happened in New South Wales and Sydney after the break too about the new fines. But another disturbing incident at... 
Well, in Melbourne here on Beach Road last week, we had a, um, someone throwing a full bottle of Coca-Cola at a cyclist after abusing and throwing bottles at previously, but hitting one and uh, knocking her off. And she's was injured, luckily not super seriously, but um, it's, yeah, it's just part of this thing where if you have an environment that encourages the idea that it's okay to, you know, pick on certain people and, and that filters all the way down. Mm. It does too, but it's interesting. Um, I read a, there was an interesting article in The Guardian, I think it's a little bit a while ago, about how to actually write an anti-cycling story, of which a lot of press can do very, very well. Yeah. And it was interesting. If you want to research, you should have a read about how do you touch on those things and highlight or exaggerate these small differences. And it's, it's uh, you know, often through those stories, all you have to do is insert the word pedestrian in place of cyclist to realise how outrageous, mm. like, it, it is, because then if you haven't yet realised that, but, you know, to demonstrate the point that what a lot of this is saying is just totally... What it's, yeah, it's completely one-sided. Which brings us to actually now a 2016, let's look back at 2015, 257 deaths on Victorian roads last year. Bike deaths, bicycle rider deaths, 11. That's up one from the year before, which was 10 in 2014. The biggest um, or the nicest highlight about 2015, in 2014, 44 pedestrians died on Victorian roads. And if my memory's correct, that's 14 more than motorcyclist opinions passengers died in 2014 2015 pedestrian deaths down to 32 so it's a start and actually if there are vulnerable road users they are certainly pedestrians and we'll be back after this little break New illustrated book by Alina and Bruce MacDonald stars our beloved comrade Bill Della as the protagonist in a journey that stems from Ballarat to Humpty Doo and features all the lefty issues that were dear to Bill's big heart. 3CR has a few precious copies of this beautiful book for sale for $20 plus $5 postage. All proceeds will go to the Solidarity Breakfast Program's Radiothon Fund. You can buy it online at the 3CR shop. Go to the 3CR website... 3cr.org.au or pick up your copy at the station. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug radio show on 3CR. Uh, We were just talking about uh, some of the... um, more negative uh, things around cycling, especially coming out of New South Wales lately. Um... Not a good feeling to be a cyclist up there at the moment, hey Val? I could imagine, this is getting a little bit creepier. Let's just touch a couple on on things that are going to change in, I think it's March. Now the Minister for Roads up in New South Wales is Duncan Gray, Gay, sorry, I should say. Now the the fine for not wearing a helmet is going to go from $71 to $319. So is that the equivalent of Victoria now? No, no, we're I think about 240 or something. Uh-huh. We haven't gone this crazy. 
uh, riding through a red light's gone from 71 to 425. Riding dangerously has gone from $71 to 425. Not stopping at a pedestrian crossing has gone from 71 to 425. Holding onto a vehicle has gone from 71 to 319. But in shades of the South African past laws, it will now become compulsory for every cyclist to carry a photo ID. Love in New South Wales. There is Bicycle New South Wales. They call it Bicycle New South Wales. Yeah. I should know this. Are running a very strong campaign to try and get those things to come back a little bit. It's a bad look. Let's get on to something happier or... <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, one one of the other aspects of cycling is we were talking about uh, a spectator lending a bike to a professional rider <laughs> during a race. Um and I was uh, travelling over the break um, and I thought it would be a good time to try out Spin Lister, which yeah. I've heard. I remember when it first launched and I haven't heard a lot about it since then. Um, and for those who don't know, it's it's kind of like Airbnb for bikes. You list your bikes and somebody can borrow them often for a small fee or for free. It's up to you. Um so I was going to the Netherlands and I found someone in Utrecht near where I was staying who had a range of beautiful vintage steel Dutch road bikes and I thought well instead of you know renting just you know something I might have been riding here anyway I'll go for one of those um so uh booked one of those and uh um it's interesting. It's there's not a lot of bikes on Spin Lister. I don't think it's taken off quite as well as people had hoped. No. Certainly in Utrecht, I, I had a look at Melbourne. There's a few more, but not as many as you would expect. And I guess it's that thing of you can often rent a bike anyway. Yeah. But these are people's. You know, it's a, it's much more accessible and cheaper. Way. Plus, often it's a way to get a bike that's a bit different or has mm. a story, and that was certainly the case with the bikes I looked at. Um, you know, it was an opportunity to you know, ride some really local. The bike I actually got was very local, branded by a small uh, Dutch business. Um, they've branched out now into snowboards and surfboards. I think uh, I'm not sure how that's going for them. But, um, yeah, it was interesting enough for me to start putting some of my bikes up. <laughs> Not the ones I ride all the time, but the ones that aren't being ridden. I thought, well, maybe someone else could ride them now and then. Yeah. You know? But then it got me thinking because the bikes I borrowed um, were beautifully maintained and rode beautifully. Um, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not really into DIY maintenance much, you know. So how, that whole thing of, about maintaining the bike so that someone else can ride it and mm. sort of and, – and then I started thinking, oh, and what if it, they bring it back and it's – Chip yeah. paint. And- oh, well, these were bikes you wouldn't be worried about chip paint. But, yeah, it was also uh, – the only thing I would say is like on Spin Lister you list the bike – 
size according to the height of the person riding it. So I chose a bike that Heyo in Utrecht had listed for my height um, and then to double check, sent him the measurements of the sorts of frames I usually ride and this bike was a lot bigger. So he'd obviously made a guess, got it really wrong, and then he came up with a bike that he thought would fit me. And when we got there, it was a bit big, but I convinced myself it would work and took it. And after a couple of days, it became really apparent it was way too Too big. big. So I had to take it back. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, so that's what I would suggest if you're going to borrow one of the bikes, the double-check measurements and geometry with the person you're borrowing it from because it's you know, their interpretation and yours might be a bit different. But it was, other than that, it was, it was great. Oh, it'd be interesting to do uh, the perfect example to buy another bike for the stable, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know, something with a harsh back pedal brake that will yep. suit everybody and that you can always, people can borrow all the time and you don't have a problem lending it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's a nice way, I think, instead of just going to a shop and renting a bike, which I did eventually after that didn't work, um, you know, because I did that, I met Hayo and, and discovered that he also runs a coffee cargo bike business and is parked outside the Utrecht Central Station morning serving coffee. He also does tours of Utrecht on these vintage bikes um, and has just launched, of, of course, his first um, – coffee bean <laughs> so um but you know and came away thinking you know well you know you've met someone who has a lot of shared interests and and had great tips on rides and that and i would yeah. highly recommend anyone who thought he might have a bike to suit them using him and it's a lot more personable yeah human than actually and like usually so. cheaper yeah yeah and you got a little bit of an intro into a local community, which makes probably yeah. a fair bit of difference. Any other highlights from um, the Netherlands? Um, I also discovered a, a new uh, uh, Dutch bike magazine called Peddler. I'd seen it online, but it's not one that sends copies overseas, so I hadn't been able to buy it. Um, and I had bought them and had them waiting for me at my in-laws' place. So it's a magazine for women who ride road bikes, uh, which is going through, like everywhere else, a huge resurgence. Like I think 10 years ago in the Netherlands, it was rare to see anyone on a road bike unless they belong to a club. Um, And I remember going back about four or five years ago and seeing a lot more. And this time it was everywhere. And um, so that, yeah, that was a really interesting magazine um new one that seems to be doing quite well very active and very involved in getting women out on road bikes and doing more recreational sport riding rather than the traditional upright sort of riding commuting actually and and it's been very noticeable and i mean two things are happening at the same time road bikes have become the preferred method of exercise for a lot of people and it was you know it's becoming more and more women orientated which is great yeah it was, and it is. It's interesting too because you you see it happening in Melbourne. Um, and after talking to some Americans, I was surprised to hear they thought they were amazed by how many women were riding here, and how many groups of women only were out riding on the road and and being organised. Um, and 
you know, even though there is this uh, resurgence in the Netherlands, I think it's it's the same. It's it's not quite as big with women no. there, but um, definitely uh, on the rise. And very much fitness orientated. It is. It's very different yeah. to uh, the riding they've traditionally been doing. Now, if you're sitting at home over the next couple of weeks and you need to go to a ride, go for a ride. There are a few things coming up. Let's kick off the um, 31st of January. There is a, I'm sure everybody's aware now that Freestyle is a campaign running to try and soften the mandatory helmet laws in Victoria and South Australia. And on the 31st of um, January, the um, South Australian representative of Freestyle Cyclist, Sundance Bilson Thompson, will be in uh, Melbourne to meet and greet the uh, people over here. Get along to Bike Fun if you want the more particulars about that. I think it's at uh, it's up the Merry Creek. The, It'll be up the, the Merry ride. Creek, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Which would be lovely. And on February the 6th, the Squeaky Wheel are running an Eco City bike tour for the uh, City of Melbourne as part of the Sustainable Living Festival. There's going to be a series of these rides, so it's worth taking a look at the squeakywheel.com.au to check um, them out if this date doesn't suit you. But they'll basically be free two-hour guided bike tours where the City of Melbourne will be showing off some of their favourite community hubs and the ways in which they're transforming into eco-exploration precincts. This first one will be heading off from the library at the dock um, and we'll include a coffee stop and uh, um, a visit to an artist-run gallery. And the tours are free, but the places are limited, so uh, you do need to book your place, and you can do that at thesqueakywheel.com.au where you'll also find details of the other rides. Now, on the 6th of February too, this is going to need a little bit of planning and a little bit of um, get to it. Cycling Victoria is running a program for the over 55s, riding one of the stages of the uh, Jayco Herald Sun Tour. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, actually. I think it's down towards Gippsland, but I'll probably stand corrected. Um, so it's. Sale. Is, yeah. So it's down there. You've got to get your bike down there. Bus, you need to register. You probably need to get on. Get your Speedwell shoes on, <laughs> get the right shoes on, get the right bike, and that'd be a bit of a hoot riding one of those, uh, the stages of the tour down there. Yeah. Uh, and then coming up on February the 12th is the ride to Gasworks Backyard Cinema um, to view the film Inspired to Ride, which we'll be showing there. So that kicks off from 6.30 at the Port Phillip Eco Centre and uh, – We'll head to Gasworks in time to watch Inspired to Ride. On the 13th, we've also got the Melbourne Bike Rave. This is the third one. Um, it'll be leaving from Birrarong Ma, and I think the idea is you meet there about 6 and the ride will launch at 7. There'll be a um, mix to download in advance so that everyone on the ride is playing the same track. So you need to head to the Melbourne Bike Rave Facebook page so that you'll get the notice for when that mix is available to download. What date's that on again? That's February the 13th, and it is also the weekend that the next Treadley Bike Hub will be on at the SLF Big Weekend. So the Treadley Bike Hub will be on at Birrung Ma from 
February the 12th to 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the evening of the 13th, coincidentally, not actually part of the same event, but um, the bike wave will be heading off from Birrung Ma. So there'll be, next to the Treadley Bike Hub, there's always the bar and the rest food from the SLF. So it's a good area to meet up uh, and catch up with everyone before you head off for some dancing. And, of course, it's Valentine's Day Eve. It is, yes. Anything could happen. So if you want the details of those rides, most of them will be up at Bike Fun, which is bikefun.org.au. Uh, the squeaky wheel, will, you'll find the Eco City rides and Bike Rave. If you Google Melbourne Bike Rave, you'll come across their Facebook page and uh, website. I should have asked you this before. Tell me about the squeaky wheel and teaching kids riding skills. <laughs> I know this is, I'm sorry about this, Faith. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, one of the programs we do. Um, yep. And uh, we've just started doing a a bit of a different – instead of training people, we're taking kids who actually have some bike skills and as a school holiday program, taking them out on the bike paths, teaching them more about, um, okay, you've got great skills. How do you uh, use the paths uh, without – in a a sociable and courteous way? So, uh, yeah, that's been interesting and good fun. Lots of enthusiastic riders. Somebody was talking about it on Saturday. I should have brought it up earlier. It sounded like a great idea. Yeah. No, it's really good fun. Lots of um, enthusiasm and uh, wild moments. But <laughs> You've got to love those wild yeah. moments. And that's all we've got time for today. You've been listening to The Arabug Show on 3CR. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So if you'd like to subscribe or make a donation, you can do so at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. And we'll be back next week with uh, Chris and Steve. And next up is Dirt Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.